Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. I just got a kick out of that. I don't know why. I love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. Oh, welcome back, friends. Let's do some housekeeping before we introduce Logan. Actually, now nah, let's get right to Logan. Logan, what's going on? <laughs> Forget the housekeeping. Forget housekeeping. What's well, I just got back from an anniversary trip. We went camping. But your anniversary is not till October. It's October. I looked it up. Yeah, it's October 8th. This is a little bit early, but we. my wife is in PA school. She mm. gets a two-week break. Oh, okay. And then she's pedal to the metal all the time. So, so you went camping. So we went camping. Where'd you go? Mammoth Cave okay. National Park. Like we, legit tent camping? Tent camping. Oh no, my. I mean, we tried to, we had an air mattress and. Uh, but you were outside. But we were Bugs outside. and all. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. And uh, set up the tent and stuff. That was very interesting. We will, we'll see if that ever happens again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, um, we, uh, it's not like camping with the guys. It's, it was an interesting trip. Oh. I mean, we, we did great. We really tried. But there was just like a series of unfortunate events. It could re- really be written into a book or something. It was ridiculous. So mm. we, uh, we had, let's see. Start from the beginning. We got there at dark, so Wait, we set up. Time the out, real quick. Is this like an alley length story, or is this? A no, I'll, I'll condense. Story? I'll condense. Okay, it's not sure. an alley story. <laughs> I, we She's don't in have the room laughing. We don't way. have forty five minutes. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, so we we set up in the dark the first night. That was interesting. Next day, we went and did the cave tour, which is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. I'd never been in Mammoth Cave. It's a pretty cool spot. We get back. There's a bird in our tent. Oh my <laughs> so the bird had I don't know how it got in there, but there's a bird in the tent. We had it took us 15 minutes to get it out. We get in. There's bird crap all over the tent. I mean everywhere, <laughs> covered like all over. I think we're in real trouble. Huh? I don't know how this started or why, but I know it's here, and we'd be crazy to ignore it. To ignore what? The bird war? Yes, the bird war. The bird attack. Play, call it what you like. They're massing out there someplace, and they'll be back. You can count on it. We were, like, miserable at this point. We're like, let's just let's go kayaking. Let's go do something. Let's get out. We'll clean this later. So we left. We uh, went kayaking on the Green River. Fun. We get out there. The guy was, like, a 17-year-old kid. He was like, yeah, it's not that hard. You'll go to a halfway point, hang out, fish, picnic. And then you'll you'll go the rest of the way and it'll be fine. So we get in the water. We get to the halfway point. We're like, this is great. We still have f- five hours before it gets dark. We can just hang out and fish and do what we want to do. So we did that. And then at like 4 o'clock, my wife's like, all right, let's head in. I, I want to do some stuff before we have dinner. That was not the halfway point. That might have been the one-eighth point. Oh, my. We, we paddled for about three and a half hours straight. I'm sitting here today. I can't lift my arms above my shoulders. <laughs> I, I we had the water level was so low that we were getting stuck in places. I had to get out and push the boat in the river to get us out. So it was needless to I say, love it was an this. interesting. No, trip. you know why this is great. Okay, the same time you were doing this, I celebrated 19 years with my wife. Mm-hmm. We did not go anywhere where there are bugs. We went out. <laughs> we went to a beautiful hotel we did a spa we went to beautiful dinners and one of the things that we did and you just find yourself doing this in your anniversaries is you think back to times because you're i mean hopefully right you're you're relishing on the 
the blessings you have mm-hmm. and and it really is a an amazing time to you know just reconnect and you know just all the things and and we looked back on certain events where we had stories just like you made yep. like the story yep. that you just developed we definitely have a story <laughs> you have a story and that's great because that's what makes a marriage. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be rosy. It's not going to be all these things. We're getting ready to go on a series of college visits with our oldest. And so a lot of our dialogue was in regards to when he was a baby and us trying to figure out how to be parents in the first you know, few years of life and what that looked like and all the rest of these things. So I love to hear that story. I I laugh. You know, I know it's frustrating, you know, whatever, but you will look back on that. Oh, we'll laugh about that for years. And you may never go camping again. (laughs) Like, I mean, you seriously, like, it just might not be a thing you do because you're like, no, I'm sticking with the five-star hotel. That's perfectly fine. Or you might, and you might be like, you know, remember the first time we did this? That was crazy. You know, whatever. I just love it. That's great. Wonderful to hear. Well, happy early anniversary because it's still not your anniversary. Yeah, yet. I did look it up. I was like, "Thank you." I was like, "Wait a second, are they the anniversary at the same time?" I don't remember it being separate. September. Yeah, I looked no. it up. It was October. Yeah, so first year, almost done. First year, mm-hmm. first year. Good for you. Um, what else? We didn't do housekeeping, right? No. So you got to check out the website DIYMoney.org. It's fire. It's new. Pictures galore. It's awesome. You can visit us on the web. Our sponsor, Jewel Financial, J O U L E can learn more about our wealth development program. We continue to, to desire and, and love the questions we're getting. Send those to podcast at DIYmoney.org. We'll get on the site an area where you can just kind of record. I saw that on a site recently. I don't know if they're doing the same thing we are, but I did see that on a site recently, and we'll, we'll do that on the site. I don't, I don't have to figure that out. Sure. Uh, and then uh, check us out on all the social channels and Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter at Quintetro. All right, we've got a good uh, question, and I brought Logan out specifically from this from uh, from Suman, I think. I think that's how we say it. Suman, what you got? DIY! Hey, DIY. My name is Suman. My question is about understanding cash flows of any company. As a beginner, what aspects of cash flow should I be looking at to determine a company's financial health? Love your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay, Saman, you're bringing out the academic in us, and I'm happy to answer the question, happy to dialogue about this. Uh, Fun fact, I teach investments at the University of Kentucky. Logan was a student. Yep. I don't know if we've ever mentioned that. Have we ever mentioned that? Yes, we have mentioned that. Really? Yes. Okay, we have mentioned that. This is the other thing that happens when you get older. You lose your memory. Uh, So Logan was a student in that class. We did intrinsic value calculations pretty much all the time based on discounted cash flow. But, Saman, I want to ask you a simple question. Why? Why, why do you want to do this? Why, why do you want to do the analyzing of individual equities? Um, is it something that you are generally interested in, genuinely interested in? Uh, like researching, reading 10Ks and 10Qs and, you know, keeping up on these individual companies and trying to sort of become a, a super investor? Or are you just doing it to try to, like, beat the market? What I mean by that is you're sitting there going, okay, I'm going to be like Warren Buffett and I'm going to beat the market and I'm going to analyze these. If you're not genuinely interested in it to the point where you are willing to commit 
hours upon hours a week of research, I would not do this. I would not go down this path because it's like, again, I love to cook, okay? I love, you know, finding cool recipes and putting something together. I hope his extra commitment in the kitchen is reflected in the standard of his food. I am not a chef, and I never will be, because I have great respect. I've hired chefs before. Their skill set, their knowledge of what they bring to the equation when they make a meal is beyond anything I could ever comprehend. Why? Because I'm not going to put the time into it. And, and I, yeah, do I like to cook? Sure. I like to learn about some new things and cook. Rich with tomatoes. Nice texture in the meatball. And a perfectly cooked linguine. Lovely. That's a vast difference from becoming a chef. So I, I promise we'll answer your question. I, I, I really do. But I want you to do this, to do this like inner look and say, yeah, I really love analyzing companies. If that's the case, okay. If it's not anything but that, I strongly urge you to stick to passive index investing. I, I really do. Um, as a beginner, as what you said, that was your words, not mine. The other thing I will say is if you are genuinely interested in this and passionate about it, do a very small or allocate a very small part of your portfolio to this as you learn because you will make incredible mistakes. Now, I will say too, when we're talking about these models and talking about doing kind of this value analysis of different companies, this is not for trading. We're not trying to buy a company and then make a profit and a month later sell this company. If you're doing these analysis and really diving into the fundamentals of a company, You're trying to own a company for a very long time. That's right. You're buying a business. Warren Buffett will often say, you know, he you you should buy a business. If you're looking at investing and doing this analysis, you buy a business and you should not care whether the market were to close down for five or ten years. It would not influence the decision whether you are going to be investing in that business or not. The stock price is only a proxy for what individuals think the business might be worth at that time. And what the whole goal is just as you've alluded to, Saman, is to try to buy something below the value that the market is assigning it at that moment. Now, you can analyze free cash flow, free cash flow, by simply looking at an income statement or a cash flow statement, for that matter, from an individual company on a quarterly basis through their company filings. Now, if you really want to get into the weeds, what you would do is you would go to sec.gov, you would look up that particular company, and you would look up their financial quarterly report. In that quarterly report, you would be able to identify free cash flow, not only the present quarter, but previous quarters, and you would begin to start to model what it looks like going forward. Now, what you're doing, and I won't, I'm not going to go too far into the weeds because you asked me a really you know, question of how do you, where do you find it or how do you understand it. It's just a matter of looking at the financial statements. But the reality is what you're trying to do is you're trying to do a valuation methodology to determine what that business is worth. Now, there's a lot of opinions surrounding this, but the, but the vast majority of analysts will tell you that a business is only worth the present value of all future cash flows. 
Now, typically what happens is in a discounted cash flow model, what you're doing is you're trying to educatedly assume or determine what the next 10 years of cash flow look like an individual company, look like for an individual company. Now, you're going to use historical numbers to figure that out. You're going to try to you know, look back of what they've done the last 10 years. Maybe they have new products. Maybe they're generating you know, better margins, whatever it may be. Maybe they've cut expenses, et cetera. And you're going to look that out, and you're going to say, okay, over the next 10 years, I think cash flow is going to grow by this. And then you're going to assign what's called a perpetuity value or a, a percent, percentage that you think reasonably could be used to show what the cash flows are going to grow forever. Now, there's a big problem with that. The big problem is very few companies are around forever. But you have to do it nonetheless if you want to get a current value. So you're going to educatedly assume or kind of determine what the next 10 years look like. You're going to then assign a perpetuity value, which is often a long-term GDP or inflation rate used probably around the 3% mark. You're going to then discount all those cash flows back to the present value, and you're going to come up with an amount. And that amount's going to tell you whether it's higher or lower than when the stock price is trading right now. Yes, there's some nuances uh, involved in this calculation. You can look them up on your own, Saman, but there's things like weighted average cost of capital, how much debt they have, what the inflation, or I'm sorry, what the current interest rates are, et cetera. Those all go into the calculation. But the reality is, is that the biggest variable in question is a company's cash flow, free cash flow. Now, I will tell you that when I'm looking at companies, not only am I going to determine, you know, kind of the valuation based on a DCF model, but I'm also going to look at how sustainable and reliable those cash flows are. So when I look at companies, I like to see, is it erratic? Is it, is it consistent? Is it pretty you know, standard? I mean, all of these things kind of go in the qualitative side that I look at. But ultimately, you can find all this information in the financial reports. And I will tell you, most people shouldn't do it. Yeah. Simple as that. What say you, Logan? Well, I'm just going to take it. I mean, I know we're caveating a lot and we're saying, yeah, but mostly wouldn't do it. Some of the mistakes we see, whether we're working with students or talking with people that are first starting doing these models, is taking a company, let's say Apple, and looking at the first 10 years that they were really growing revenues and then now projecting that growth out for the next rest of the company. Mm. You can't just look at the historic performance of a company when it's really exploded and expect that to be the trajectory that it's going to have for the rest. Because if you think about it, if you have $100 of earnings and then that earnings or or free cash flow goes up to $200, yes, you had a 100% increase. It went up $100 to get there. To get another 100% increase, you have to go from 200 to 400 so the percentages of increase in your free cash flow actually has to increase more as a as a core actual number or dollar amount. So you can't just look back at previous historical earnings or growth rates and say, yep, yeah, well, they're definitely going to do that for forever or that's going to continue for the next 10 years because it's likely not the case. And that's why it's so difficult to pick an individual company and just run a basic DCF model and say, yep, this is exactly what the company is going to look like. This is how it's going to work. Why is no one pricing this company at 20 trillion or something? Because this is what the earnings say that that's going to happen and, and how it's going to grow. My favorite valuation book and methodology, which looks at things a little bit different, and I firmly believe, even though 
Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger will talk about discounted cash flow and and the present value of of, of future cash for an in, you know for an intrinsic value calculation of a company. If you read the annual letters from Berkshire Hathaway, which you can do free of charge, you go to their website. Looks like the website was developed in front page, which I don't know if you know what that is, but that that was Microsoft's like original web development tool. Anyways, this was years ago, but uh, they haven't changed it since then. So you can read every annual letter for free, and they have an emphasis on return on invested capital. What that means is their emphasis is on how much is a company profiting, and when they bring it back into the business – how much are they able to grow that profit by every year? Let me say that again. How much is a company profiting? And then when they bring it back into the business, when they reinvest it into the business, how much does it grow each year? The academic term for that is return on invested capital, ROIC. The best book that outlines this style is by Warren's daughter, Mary Buffett, and the book is called Buffettology. Saman, I would highly encourage you to read that book, understand that methodology, and put it into practice. Yes, DCF is good. Discounted cash flow is very good. It's a standard practice, and you should use it when you're looking at an investment thesis, if, in fact, this is the route you're going to go. But I firmly believe that the compounding book value methodology or looking at return on invested capital is one of the better investment methodologies out there to determine vested um, intrinsic value for a company. I know we went in the weeds. I know this is not applicable to many, many people out there at all. Or maybe it is. Maybe you have an interest in it and you want to learn more. It is a great book, Buffettology, a very easy read, a practical look at the way uh, her father analyzes companies and a way in which you can sort of adopt it on your own and you can do it yourself. So I encourage you to check that out. What else, Logan? Anything else? The only thing else I'll say is you, when you're looking at a company and trying to buy or, or purchase a company, you got to understand that there's analysts all over the world, all over this country that are also looking at those companies and evaluate them. They're running more than just one model when they're looking at a company and evaluating it. So you likely need to run more than one model and you likely need to look at some different aspects and figure out if you're truly going to buy individual companies, what are the things you look for? What are you looking out for? And understanding that there's two components to any purchase of a company. You're looking either for dividend payouts or capital gains. So either the price increases or the amount that the company pays you increases. So you want to definitely factor in those two components because if you buy a growth company that doesn't pay a dividend, there's benefits to that if you get capital gain appreciation. But if you buy a company with dividends, maybe you're looking at buying that company solely for the dividend payout that they're going to have over time. Comes back to the goals conversation we always have in having a reason and a purpose for buying a company or buying an investment at all. That was great. The final thing I'll say is the other thing you have to understand is markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. I have watched many people do a tremendous amount of research or homework, find incredible thesis, invest their dollars only to see them basically get crushed or lose it all together, 
and or stay on the sidelines or and, stay on the sidelines because something is not appropriately valued that they think should be lower and they watch it go higher and higher and higher etc amazon's a classic example of that you know value investors <laughs> became uh warmed up or warmed up to have amazon after it had increased thousands of percentage points but anyways the reality is markets are driven by short and inter, inter, intermediate term psychology of investors. Very rarely is it rational. So your time horizon has to be very, very long. And you have to be willing to sit and be wrong for a long time if you're investing in individual companies as well. That is critical. It's important to understand. Saman, I wish you the best. I hope you, uh, I hope you find what you're looking for as you uh, sort of delve into this world. It's a fascinating world. It is certainly not for everyone, but uh, if you're interested in it, I encourage you because it is a wonderful, wonderful world. Looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. All right, we will send Saman a $25 Amazon gift card. He should pick up Buffetology with that. That's what he should do because I think it's cheaper than that. He still have money yep. left over. He can pick up DIY money too. There, there you go. go. All right, Saman, thanks so much for that question. We'll send you that gift card. And remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.